It's all about miracles today. And what better guest to have to talk about the miracles and faith of life as we think about the holy season we find ourselves in than two physicians, um, Dr. Ben Carson and Dr. Brian Donahue. You know, when people think about miracles and we welcome both to our show, the first thing they think about are the, the change in water to wine in Cana. They also think about healing of the royal official son at Capernaum and the healing of the paralytic and Bethesda are the feeding of the 5,000. Some people ask, why is it that we don't have the same level of miracles today that we had during the time of Christ? And also, many people who have these miracles, the miraculous, find it to be very sacred and prefer not to share. And so today we're going to talk about the things that often overlook and we find labels to attach to uh, two people who spent most of their careers in the operating room and we welcome them to the broadcast. Um, Dr. Carson, um, in your many, many decades as a surgeon, um, when did, did you come to the realization of things that were happening beyond the fact that even though you're created in God's image, uh, man and physicians are just not God. I mean, sometimes you do things so well, you begin to have this God complex. But where is it that the humility you found and you realize that something was even greater than your gifted hands and then all the medicine and all the technology that they have in the operating rooms of hospitals? Well, you know, I thought I was uh, a pretty hot stuff when I became the director of pediatric neurosurgery at Johns Hopkins at, at age 33. And I was doing a lot of uh, complex cases and I was feeling pretty confident. And then a little boy from Georgia showed up and uh, he, had, he had been diagnosed with a brainstem tumor. He was in very, very bad shape, but I remember seeing him come into that ward on a stretcher, barely moving, barely breathing, foaming at the mouth. And uh, the parents said, Doctor, we came here after many other consultations because we would find a Christian, God-fearing neurosurgeon who could help with them. And I looked at the CAT scans and I said, but this is a brainstem tumor, a malignant tumor, uh, and there's nothing that I or anyone can do about it. And they said, but doctor, the Lord sentenced you. And I said, look, uh, MRIs were brand new at that point. I said, let's do it. Let's do an MRI. And uh, maybe it'll show us something the CAT scan doesn't show. We did the MRI. All the neuroradiologists looked at it. Same conclusion. Malignant brainstem tumor nothing to be done and i told them and they said but doctor the lord i said look once in a thousand times the scans are wrong and maybe maybe it is something else uh, i'll do a biopsy so they were so pleased oh thank you doctor. and i went in and there was this big ugly grayish red tumor 
and I took a frozen section. It came back high grade glioma, a very malignant tumor. And uh, I took out as much as I dared, closed them up, went out and talked to the parents. And I said, look, you know, only God knows the beginning from the end. And maybe your son already served his purpose in life and will understand it better by and by, all the things we tell people. And they said, thank you, doctor. But the Lord is going to heal our son. And as I walked away, I said, I've never seen people with that kind of faith before. Fully expecting over the next few days that he would continue to deteriorate and would die. But instead, he began to handle his secretions. His eyes started looking in the same direction. I said, what is going on? I said, let's do another another MRI. And there was still a big, ugly tumor there. But off in the corner, there's a little rim of tissue. And I said, is it possible that maybe this thing is outside of the brainstem? and has just smashed and displaced the brainstem. And I said, maybe we should go back in. And said, by all means. And we went back in. And uh, under the microscope, as I filled that tumor away layer by layer, I was rewarded with the last layer of a glistening white brainstem that was smashed, but intact and displaced. Long story short, we walked out of the hospital, and today he is a minister. Miraculous. But that told me something. It told me that maybe it wasn't just me who was doing all that. And one of the oncologists came to me afterward. He said, Ben, I've always been an atheist, but I'm a believer now. But uh, that was, it was after that case that I said, Lord, you be the neurosurgeon and I'll be the hands. And that's when all kinds of amazing things began to happen. Dr. Donahue, your experience. The first thing to say is that our faith itself is a bit of a miracle, isn't it? That is to say that despite all the, the uh, experience of the world to the contrary, we stand tall and unswerving in our faith. In Deuteronomy, it's pointed out that it's God who goes with us in the fight, and it's God who delivers the victory, much as Dr. Carson just pointed out. The first step to becoming a good healer is to be certain that it's not you. That is to say that Dr. Carson referred to humility. It's interesting that the word humility itself comes from the Greek hummus, and hummus, you may know, means soil. So this, for example, is the Lenten season. This is the season where many Christians uh, think of this as a time of preparation. You, for example, Mr. Armstrong Williams, famous, you gave thought to this show. You prepared yourself, in a sense, to be worthy of the show. Likewise, we as, men, as Christians now use this season of Lent to prepare ourselves for the great and enduring miracle of all time which is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is a miracle that all of us participate in. So in the cath lab, yes, there's no question. There is no question that we see events occur outside of the pale of our own skill set. And, uh, and 
I have been, my interest has been heart attack, uh, angioplasty for many years now, as you know, Armstrong. That in and of itself is a bit of a miracle. The word angioplasty means repair of the blood vessel. So we can confer back on people robust and good health over very short time frames. I think of that every time we do that as a bit of a miracle. But this is a great time for all of your viewers on this Saturday morning to think about that little bit of silence and preparation because they too are about to participate in the event that has forever changed the universe, which is the resurrection of the Lord. You know, Dr. Carson, when people think of miracles, I mean, particularly listening very closely to Dr. Donahue's description, uh, would assume that you'd have to live a certain way, uh, be someone special of good deed to be um, a candidate for a miracle. But in my knowing you for many decades, uh, sometimes that's just not always the case. It can happen sometimes to the least among us. Uh, and sometimes in the most unexpected ways and manner. Well, God can work through uh, anyone. And there are many stories in the Bible who have demonstrated. Uh, one does not have to be perfect uh, in order to be a conduit for God's. And it is very important for people to observe what is happening and to recognize that they're only part of it. They're not all. And, uh, you know, by humility and the fear of the Lord, riches and honor. 20. We need to recognize who we are, how we fit into the whole equation. And he can use anybody at any time. Look at some of the characters that he used in the Bible. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and he said, uh, you know, David was a man after his own heart. Uh, what did David do? Uh, murder, uh, adultery, scheming, but recognizing that he was an imperfect vessel and that he was in need of something else. And submitting himself uh, to the power of God and what was able to be accomplished through him is pretty amazing under those circumstances. It is also a reason that we shouldn't sit around and judge other people. Uh, let's, let's leave the judging to God and let's just make ourselves available, as Dr. Donahue said. Uh, let, let us be the conduit through which things can be accomplished that are beyond the scope of what we can do ourselves. You know, Donahue, let's bring it to many of the crises that we have faced globally over the last couple of years. I mean, you admit um, that we're seeing a drastic um, um, disappearing, a relaxing of COVID in the environment. There's almost a feeling that we're, we're turned the corner, less people are dying. Um, do you think that is uh, a blessing from someone, a greater force than ourselves? And do you, do you consider blessings, miracles, and what force does the miraculous play into where we were 
and where we are now, especially to, when you look at a place like Hong Kong for the last two and a half years, had only 200 cases totally of COVID, and all of a sudden they're getting thousands a week now. People are just dying in great numbers and they're placing them in body bags and cremating them so they make space for others and it's just the elderly. So, you know, Armstrong, if, if we all this morning looked out the window of our homes here across the fruited plain, what would we see and what would we feel? And there's clearly an air of angst and a little bit of uncertainty. And I feel as if what really has happened, the kind of chaos and the swirl that we feel, whether it, for example, relates to COVID as we've covered in this format so many times over the last two years, or whether it's the angst of seeing women in the process of birthing being shelled with munitions uh, or the general sense of loss of the scaffolding and temper of our society. All of these things, I think, reflect one single trend that all of us need to give maybe some thought to here as, as we prepare for Easter. And that is the turning away from God's word and feeling as if really it's us who are going to determine the passage of events. Dr. Dr. Carson just mentioned the great value of submission. You could easily say, and you'd be right, that the first step to wisdom is submission. And failing making that first step, we're not, we, we, don't, we are no longer living in accordance with the laws of nature, which reflect the laws of God. So yes, you're quite right. We've had very substantial uh, victories here over a very short time frame. Dr. Carson and others, I think particularly in developing, and we've talked about this Armstrong in the past, the, the, the two mRNA vaccines in breathtaking time are really the, the centerpiece of that, uh, that, that victory that we've had. Dr. Donahue, before we're going out, you were talking about how these um, RNAs teaches our cells how to make a protein that will sort of trigger an immune response inside our bodies. Please continue. So I'm thinking to myself, how many times as we all plow through, for example, the Old Testament, did the Israelites forget what God had done for them, what he was doing now and what he would do? And likewise, we maybe go looking for the drama of miracles. Just look outside the window this morning. Look at as we move towards spring, the kind of majesty of nature, the natural order of things. That all reflects the God that we serve. We don't want to miss the most sublime evidences of the miraculous, which is the presence of God in our own hearts the people watching this show this morning on Saturday, feeling and knowing that presence, that itself is a miracle that defies all understanding. And I would argue it's all we need. We need simply to be adherent to the creator, which lets us be fearless and act uh, with a certain intrepidude on our own behalf and participate in what's upcoming just in a few weeks, which is the celebration of the uh, resurrection of the Lord. Dr. Carson, do you feel that miracles and healings are synonymous? Uh, well, they're not. There are a lot of miracles that don't don't involve healing, but uh, healing, uh, I think, can fit into the category 
uh, of miracles. And uh, those of us who've practiced medicine for long periods of time have, uh, in many cases, seen things that we could in no other way possibly explain. We knew what happened. Uh, you know, I, I remember a case of a, a little girl who had a tumor growing along the base of her skull. Many people had tried to remove it. It was almost impossible. It was so complex. And we were going to make what last-ditch effort at it. And it turns out that uh, as I was getting the last piece of tumor out, it was acting as a plug to the carotid artery. And it was like you turned a fire hydrant on inside of her, her head. Blood was squirting out everywhere. The brain was herniating out. You know, we pushed it back down and put some retention sutures in the scalp just to close it up to allow the child to die in her mother's arm because there was no way she was going to live. And she went out. She was brain dead. And um, she was in the intensive care unit. The mother said, there one in 10 chance that she could live? I said, no. One in 100? No. One in 1,000? I said, there's no way she can live unless God works a miracle, at which time the mother informed me that she was an atheist. But uh, after three days, the ICU staff came to me and said, we really need to turn off the ventilator, and we need this bed, and we need this equipment. And I said, can we just wait until the morning to do it? And that night, I just said, Lord, in the, in the Bible, you brought people back. And you would not only be bringing this girl back, but you would be doing amazing things for her mother. And we were scheduled to turn the ventilator off at 8 o'clock that morning. We came in to do so, and she moved her finger. Mm. That was the beginning of her recovery. She eventually walked out of the hospital. But uh, I saw that mother some years later, and she told me she was now a believer. And uh, I thought that was an amazing miracle. You know, you know um, I just, I just, just these stories are just so riveting. You, you know, I, 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 I listen closely to Dr. Carson differentiate between healing and miracles. And yes, you have an injury, the body heals. Yes, you have surgery, the body heals. But then some people, Dr. Donnie, who says, God healed me from cancer, Doc, that God healed me from a heart condition. Expound on that. So it's an interesting thing that Dr. Carson outlines. Um, God heals us at our ground basis of identity, which is the soul. I remember vividly a patient not so long ago who required bypass surgery, came out of the operating room and was doing poorly didn't have adequate blood pressure, was in cardiogenic shock, returned to the cath lab and looking to see what grafts could be opened in the cath lab. And during that time, my patient had a very vivid experience, which he later related to me. He was not a Christian. He was not a convicted man in any, term, in any faith tradition. And he clearly experienced the whole swirl of the cath lab in that moment, who was coming, who was going, saying what and so forth. And then unlike the usual stories that you hear of seeing light and having great comfort, he felt very much the opposite. He described the experience which 
many of you are viewing this morning will remember is outlined in scripture of the skin being peeled off and the pain was unbearable not being a convicted Christian he called out and he said Jesus help me and the thing that he related to me was the instantaneous nature of his deliverance it was as soon as he phonated those words that he was in the presence of the master and saw an image of a person who was praying for him at the time. And the instruction he got was so valuable that we pray for people that we don't know. And as it would turn out, he regained his blood pressure. The procedure was marginally successful, but over the days that followed, he recouped his entire strength. He's alive and well now, and later saw the man whose image he saw, who was a Christian minister, and approached the man saying, I know who you are. You were praying for me at that time. My patient is now a completely convicted Christian. None of us could have scripted a miracle like that. Uh, it, it was He was healed in heart and in soul, and not by us. That I can assure you of. And he knows that, and I know that. And so... Uh, it is the case that if the wise gardener waters the root, the whole plant grows. And so by nurturing the spirit and the soul, the entire of our incarnation, including our health, is replenished. And that's the work of the God that we serve. You know, Dr. Carson, you talked about the huge mass on the child and how the mother, the parents had unbreakable and unshakable faith. Is it a mindset that some people have this unconditional, unwavering faith more so than others? Well, look at how many times Jesus said in the Bible, let it be done according to your faith. Uh, that means our faith has a lot to do with it. Now, bear in mind, uh, the human body is very complex. And the orchestrator of that complexity is the human brain and if you're sitting in a room you're nice and quiet you're calm and all of a sudden a tiger walks in that room he doesn't have to touch you but look at all the things that happen to your body all of a sudden you know your blood pressure goes up uh, you know things start happening to your bladder your uh, your pupils begin to dilate there are a whole host of things that are endocrinologically mediated that began to happen and the tiger hasn't even touched you now what if you have those things going on all the time uh, what impact will that have on your body and th there can be good things going on in your brain and in your mind there could be bad things going on in your brain and your mind and they have an impact upon your body so psychosomatic processes can work in a good in a good direction or in a bad direction and our brain is what allows us to communicate and have a relationship with our creator so these are very important phenomena that i don't think we in medicine completely understand we don't understand the mind we don't know where a thought comes from as sophisticated as we are these are things that i do hope someday to understand Dr. Donahue, is amazing that no matter how long you've been one of the best heart surgeons in the world, that you continue to learn about things beyond 
your control are beyond your education often? Well, it takes us back to the first point that we began with, which is the great value of humility. John of the Cross made the point shortly before his own death that the last trick of Satan is that you think it's you and it's not us. It's, it's not us. It's that value of submission. Dr. Carson talked about the extent to which in a way we're connected. So we have, uh, we have uh, uh, our experience in the relative, what we see, what we hear, but we have awareness of the deeper and more settled levels of existence, the absolute. And both of these experiences of life are true. In fact, one is complemented with experience and knowledge of the other. And it's very important, I think, for us now, for your viewers this morning on Saturday morning, just to know that all that's required, all that is required, as Paul said, is that we believe in our hearts that our master died for our sins and we confess with our mouth that the father raised him up period that's it so that's all we need to know and believe and say and say out loud and so that's what is required for salvation not more not less so this would be the the best uh opportunity of all time to secure our well-being during this Lenten season with the full promise of spring coming. Interesting that the word Lent comes from an old archaic word that means lengthen. The days are getting longer. The sun rises earlier and sets a little later, and this majesty of nature is unfolded. Armstrong, our conversation this morning reminds me of a beautiful line from Robert Louis Stevenson, where once he said, uh, the 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 night comes, Lord, at thy command. I will eat and sleep and will not question more. So if we just give ourselves effortlessly over this morning to that beautiful serenity that comes from the maker, we'll know that miracle in our own heart. Dr. Carson, put in perspective Armageddon, the last days, and where we find ourselves in the world today. First of all, I have to say in the, in the previous segment, Dr. Donahue just gave the gospel. <laughs> he gave the whole gospel. And I think that is so important to, to begin that discussion. You know, the Bible talks about uh, what will happen in the last days, wars and rumors of wars and pestilence. We just went through quite a, a bit of pestilence uh, with uh, COVID. And... Uh, you know, the morality of men and women. Uh, we talk in first chapter of Romans about uh, how people will be changing the use of their bodies, all kinds of things that would be happening. Um, bottom line is we know that there is a great controversy going on between good and evil. God could easily with his power, make everybody submit to him. But he's allowing it to play out. And uh, Armageddon will be the beginning, I believe, of the end of how that plays out. I, I think man left to his own devices without God would destroy himself. Uh, they would uh, absolutely succumb to evil. But God is here. He has provided a mechanism uh, of escape. We recognize that uh, there are evil forces in the world. Uh, 
when the terrorists get nuclear weapons, guess what? They're going to use them. And uh, you're not going to keep them away from them forever. So things are going to ramp up. There's no question about it. Uh, I've gotten out of the act of trying to predict when it's going to happen, but it seems to be getting ever closer. And uh, one of the things that I, I think is most sobering is the fact that common sense seems to have left uh, a lot of us. And uh, we're allowing hatred and evil uh, to be the drivers. And this is particularly disturbing in this country where we used to teach people to love your neighbor. And now we're teaching people to cancel your neighbor if they don't agree with you. That can't possibly lead to a good place. Dr. Donahue. So it's interesting, Armstrong, to remember that the most common turn of phrase in the entire New Testament in one form or another is don't be afraid. So I remember uh, watching with uh, great enthusiasm as Dr. Benjamin Carson answered questions on the presidential debate stage in 2016 and spoke with truth and authority about the scripture. That in and of itself, hear me on this, being courageous, not being afraid, is a miraculous occurrence. Saying out loud the things that we know to be so in our heart is itself a triumph. Whatever God's plan is, it's perfect. During his short time on earth, Christ pointed out that only the Father knows. We don't need to know everything. In fact, we can't know everything, but we can know and experience what we need. And so um, I think it's very important for us not to, um, not to let our own hearts be disturbed. Once we have that, once we're in the hollow of the maker's hand, what comes to pass is in keeping with his law. It's interesting, as Dr. Carson points out, that God loves free will. We are free to say no. We are free to rebel. We are free to think continuously that this is all us. And that's the moment in which we make the series of mistakes that we are seeing now. It concerns me greatly that we don't assign a gender to a human being uh, freshly born, that we retreat from what we know to be so, this kind of growing cowardice where we um, are ashamed of our maker. That's, those are the seeds of destruction that, that have been firmly planted in a rich soil now. On the other hand, here we are on Saturday morning speaking with clarity and conviction about things which I believe your viewers across the Fruited Plain, they themselves know. So let's shake off all this quivering speck in a corner moment and be the loud and, and, and proud advocates of what we in our hearts know to be true. Now, Dr. Carson, um, you know, of course, I've known you for many decades, and one of the things that I've observed, I don't think I've ever mentioned this to you, 
but listening to this conversation, it reminds me that you are so unattached to materialism, to earthly things, to titles. Um, why is being unattached to this world is so important? Because you look at the big picture. Um, you know, whatever goes on in this life is a speck in time against the backdrop of eternity. And I'm living for eternity, for the relationship with God. And I want him to use me in whichever way he deems most appropriate in order to have the largest number of people come to the realization of what is necessary for their salvation, for them to recognize the good, for them to recognize that if you're on God's side, you can't lose no matter what happens in this life. Donahue, um, you know, this is a very calm, very soothing comment that even, you know, it just makes me feel different because it seems so surreal that we know the outcome, but yet we still have to live. And I guess it's because um, every awakening day, we also have a chance at our own soul salvation. Indeed, and though what you just described yourself just a moment ago, that sense maybe of peace, that peace which, like Paul said, surpasseth understanding. And that's the peace that's available to every one of our viewers uh, this Saturday morning, just for the asking, just for the asking. So there's no barrier to entry. It doesn't matter where we've been or what we've done. It's very clear, if I may, in John, where Christ said, any man who turns to me, listen, no wise will I cast him out. Think about that. Just let that sink in. No wise will I cast him out. So all we need to do is come home. All we need to do is fulfill ourselves in our relationship with our Creator. That's all. Whatever comes, whether there's, there's calamity, whether there's disease and pestilence, we're never desperate, we're never afraid, and ultimately, as Dr. Carson and as you just suggested, we do know the outcome. We can be assured of it. Uh, I, I just, I think it's very important as a kind of final thought that we remind ourselves that the Bible is the inerrant Word of God. Not meant to trick you, not meant to deceive you, the inerrant Word of God. And things in our lives, they can't be partially true, they're all true. The scripture is literally, allegorically, metaphorically, and symbolically the truth, all of the above. Dr. Carson, Dr. Donahue, thank you for this peace and understanding.